awake. I'm not totally awake yet. Uh, last time I talked, we did an instruction in daily devotions. Um, so this is part two of that because I didn't get to finish what I had there. So I, I took the last part of that and uh, expanded on it. So we'll do a little bit of review today of what we already went through on this. And then we'll move into um, the next section on biblical illiteracy. Um, so still, this is ex- expanding on uh, outlines by Mark Copeland. Uh, last time we talked why the, about why we need to make daily devotions a habit. Um, the first part was because of the power of God's word to save, which was James one twenty one. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Um, because God's word saves us by producing faith. Romans ten seventeen through 18 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So I just want to pause there because I know there's um, some people that think uh, you can just, uh, it's just the word. The word increases faith, but I think it's more of a, there's a mixture of the the written word and the spoken word. And if you look in in the original text, um, there's a, a mixture of rhema and logos in this passage. So it's talking about um, not just the written word, but also that working with the spoken word of God and how that increases faith. And I mean, I have heard stories of, of people. I had a Calvinist friend once who said he sat down with someone who was an unbeliever and pounded the same verse for four hours. And then suddenly the guy came to life and got saved. So I don't know, but uh, it's because they, tend not to believe in, you know, workings of the spirit in in the same way that we do. But um, regardless, there is a a co-laboring there between the the, what's written in the Bible and and the life-giving spirit. And without the life-giving spirit, I mean, the Bible even says to those who are perishing, the word is just, it's just malarkey. It doesn't make sense. Um. So uh, the word of God was written to produce such saving faith. In John 20, we read, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Also, uh, another reason is God's word saves us by working with the Holy Spirit and causing us to be born again. In 1 Peter, uh, we read, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Uh, Another reason to make it a daily habit is God's word saves us by helping to keep us saved. In Acts 20, we read, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. But 
from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Some powerful words. Um, daily devotions and relationship with the word uh, helps to bring comfort, happiness, and peace to us, uh, the children of God. We also touched on um, the fact that we're creatures of habit, so we either make good habits or bad habits. Uh, bad habits can be changed, um, but also good habits can be lost, so it's important to keep a good cadence with this, to, to do it every day. Um, it's very important. Um, we went over how to make it a habit, creating positive addictions. If we go without the word of God for, or, or prayer for an excessive amount of time, we feel off. If we have successfully done this, like something's not right, uh, makes us feel uneasy, um, you could refer to that as like a positive withdrawal. Uh, uh, creating positive addictions by making the experiences pleasurable. We talked about starting and ending with prayer before and after you read the word. Um, to not take on too much at one, at one time and to take your time while you're in the word. Um, asking the Holy Spirit to help it become personal and an experience filled with life instead of it feeling like we're checking something off a to-do list. Uh, you can make it social, uh, too, by discussing with other believers or join some kind of cell group. Um, and to read with intent and plan to allow it to change our beliefs, worldviews, attitudes, and behaviors to mold and shape us into Christ's likeness. Uh, lastly, we talked about making it personal. Uh, we talked about Deuteronomy 17 with the kings that had their own personal copy of the law to meditate on. Uh, we covered some differences in manuscript philosophy, translation philosophy, style, recommendations on readability with respect to where we are in our walk and our abilities. And finally, that the Bible is the most important physical possession anyone could ever own. So it's uh, not meant to just sit there and collect dust. So... Moving on, uh, we're going to cover uh, the, the, the tail end of the original talk here, which was on biblical illiteracy and some of the stuff that's going on in the world today. So, um, A growing problem is one of biblical illiteracy, um, not just by those in the secular world, but also in the church. Uh, George Gallup said, Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. Um, George Gallup would have some insight into uh, survey stats and public opinion as he, cre he invented the, uh, the Gallup poll there. Um, some old stats here. I don't know when these came out, but uh, still relevant, I'm sure, uh, about how bad it is it. Um, considering these results here, uh, first one is uh, fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Um, many professing Christians can't identify more than two or three of the disciples. 
60% of Americans cannot name even five of the Ten Commandments. 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is an actual Bible verse, which it's not, by the way. 12%, and I was very happy that this was only 12%, of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. If that was any more than 12%, I would... I don't know. A survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% of them thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. And a considerable number of respondents to one of the polls indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by none other than Billy Graham. Uh, George Barna who is the founder of the Barna Group, which is a market research firm specializing in studying uh, religious beliefs and behavior of Americans and the intersection of faith and culture, said, increasingly, America is biblically illiterate. Uh, it, It works like a poison, wreaking havoc in the lives of individuals in our churches and in our communities. Um, To understand some of these things, consider uh, the effect on individuals. God's people have always been destroyed for lack of knowledge. In Hosea 4, we read, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. It's heavy. Where there is lack of God's word, the people faint. Amos 8 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of wa- of, for water, but a hearing of the Lord's words, which is very heavy too. It makes my heart break. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day, the lovely virgins and the young, me, shall faint for thirst. Um, Some of the other horrible reasons for this is that ignorance uh, tends to, lends to wrong decisions, to wrong choices. Ignorance uh, also causes uh, problems when we stumble because we don't really have a way to know what to do or where to turn. Uh, Lots of times, you know, as, as being pastors will go, you know, you run into people that uh, fall into a hole or something along those lines and come running to you for an answer when, you know, if they had been strong in the word and their studies, they prob- most of the time, you know, those answers would be pretty apparent to them. Not that we're not here for each other, but it's the fact that each and every one of us can be uh, much more strong and built up than we are, I think. Or than we than we think we can be anyway. Uh, without a knowledge of God's word, a person has no real direction or guidance in life. Psalm one nineteen says, "Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." There's no true joy or peace in life without it. Psalm one nineteen says, um, "Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of the of my heart." Great peace have those who love your law; nothing can make them stumble. How many lives are being destroyed and how many people are stumbling through life because they do not have the light of God's word guiding them? 
biblical illiteracy and its effects on the churches. Uh, churches tend to languish for lack of teachers. Uh, teachers are few and uh, for lack of knowledge. Hebrews 5 says, for Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Uh, churches are led astray by false teachers and false doctrine, uh, for how can the ignorant know what is false? Second Peter 2 says, Now there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow in their depravity, and because of them, the way of truth will be defamed. In their greed, these false teachers will exploit you with deceptive words. The long-standing verdict against them remains in force. For their destruction does not sleep. Um, so how many churches are dying on the vine or in wholesale apostasy because their members can't discern between truth and error? Um, over the past few months in my personal devotions, uh, I've been reading through uh, the New Testament letters. I actually just finished uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, I've been taking it slowly, one small chunk at a time, usually just a paragraph or, or, or two. And um, now I've, I've made it all the way back to Revelation again, so, which is fun. That's a fun book. False teachers and false doctrine were one of the most prevalent topics throughout the entirety of my readings there of those letters. Um, it was, it's, it's been a constant battle since the beginning the twisting of what God really says and means. Um, and for us, it started in the garden, and it is a battle that we must continually fight into the end of time. So without a firm personal grasp on Scripture, mixed with daily relationship with all of God's children and with God himself, um, the outlook is rather bleak. Um, biblical literacy and its effects on communities um, it affects our morality. Um, they end up, our, our morals end up skewed. Um, where it, it does a flip-flop where evil becomes good and good becomes evil, and we see that all the time. Um, Isaiah 5 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Um, the innocent are attacked while the guilty are put on pedestals. Um, the wicked are rewarded. Uh, Hollywood comes to mind. That's a good place to see that. Um, but you can see it all over the place. Uh, when uh, there's deprivation of the good of notoriety. Um, divorce is made easy. Adultery is easily looked upon as, as a light thing. Uh, the effects of such things destroy our families and our communities. Evil is allowed to spread in the name of freedom. That's a big one. Uh, ripping families apart. Children are deprived the kind of parenting that is their God-given right, which can lead to juvenile delinquency and increased levels of evil with every generation. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, 
And Judges 21 says, consider how the moral fabric of our nation and others um, in the world are becoming unraveled when everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And that was from Judges 21. Uh, The poison of biblical illiteracy has infected and sickened the people, churches, and communities of the world. The antidote to this, uh, as well as so very many other poisons, requires individual efforts. Um, So the antidote to this is what we already have gone over, daily devotional Bible reading um, in private, among others, that continual relationship with the Lord every day, talking, praying, scripture, all those things every day. Uh, The truly blessed person feeds upon the word of God daily. Psalms says, blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or set foot on the path of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and who prospers in all he does. A systematic practice of prayerful Bible reading as part of a daily devotional helps to bring people closer to God. It gradually increases our understanding of God's word, and it offers strength comfort and hope that only scriptures can provide. I think we tend to look for those things just about everywhere we possibly can um, when they're very easy to find in the scripture. Um, And it's by design. The question is, are we willing to do our part every day in stamping out biblical illiteracy? Through frequent in-depth Bible studies with others, we can realize the value of mutual edification, which talks about in Hebrews 3. Um, When parents accept their God-given responsibilities of spiritual training for children, uh, Deuteronomy and Ephesians talks about fathers, uh, do not provoke your children anger, but bring them up in discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So as parents, it is our job to bring the kids up in the way that they should go uh, so that they will not depart from it. Um, So a conclusion to this section here is churches must recover the centrality and urgency of biblical teaching and preaching and refuse to sideline the teaching ministry of the preacher. Pastors and churches too busy or too distracted to make biblical knowledge a central aim of ministry tend to produce believers who simply do not know enough to be faithful disciples. We will not believe more than we know, and we will not live higher than our beliefs. The many fronts of Christian compromise in this generation can be directly traced to biblical illiteracy in the pews and the absence of biblical preaching and teaching in our homes and our churches. This generation must get deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy or a frighteningly large number of Americans Christians included will go on thinking that Sodom and Gomorrah lived happily ever after. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about private devotions here. And then we will, uh, we will wrap up. I'm not sure I have enough time to finish this part of it. Goodness gracious. You're hanging out. Okay. I'll keep going I'll I'll read faster. 
Not that. Okay. Love you too. <laughs> Introduction. Great men of God were noted for engaging in private devotions. Isaac meditated in the field in evening in Genesis 24. David prayed three times daily, meditating on his bed and nights in Psalms. Daniel's custom was to pray three times daily, obviously in Daniel. Private devotions are encouraged by the Son of God. Jesus sought solitary places at early morning and late night in Mark and Luke. Uh, he counseled his disciples to pray in secret while instructing them in what we know now as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. But when you pray, go into your inner room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Uh, we may faithfully attend public worship like this morning with others, but do we also take the time to engage in daily private devotions? Uh, why should we have these to draw near to God? God is found by those who seek him. Uh, David advised his son Solomon to do this in First Chronicles 28. Uh, Azariah um, told this to the king of Asa uh, in Second Chronicles uh, 15. God draws near to those who draw near to him, and that's James 4.8. That's a great verse. We need spiritual nourishment in our lives. Matthew 4, 4 says, But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, so we, we cannot just thrive on physical food alone. We need spiritual food that nourishes the soul. Spiritual growth comes from the word of God. First Peter 1 talks about that. We're born again through the incorruptible seed. We continue to grow by the word of God. Uh, God's word provides spiritual strength in Ephesians 6 and Psalm 119 talks about uh, we need God's help to fight our spiritual battles and the, the word of God provides that help. Uh, to find peace and stability is another reason. Um, living in a world filled with anxiety, uh, prayer and, and devotions provide an antidote. I can't tell you how many times I have felt uh, wound up at any given day for any given reason and not wanting to go into my closet and just get on the floor and spend time with the Lord because, honestly, your flesh just doesn't like it. Or you see it as maybe possibly a waste of time when it can be the most, which it is, the most precious, uh, important time of the day that you will ever spend. And um, every time I go in there, I'm never disappointed. And it's amazing, the more I do it, how much more quickly it happens. Uh, it used to take 20 minutes before I could start feeling that anxiety leave, and now it's seconds. And that's because I have a daily relationship with the Lord, and it's precious. And um, I'm extremely thankful, thankful for that. And I pray the same for everybody else, and even more. Um, I don't know how I would make it through this life without uh, my, my Jesus. Um. More than ever, we need to take time to draw to God, to receive spiritual nourishment, to find peace and stability. The habit of daily private devotions can go a long way. Um, it's important to find a place in time. Uh, night owls might like it at night. Uh, after children go to bed, morning larks might like to wake up you know, early and do it then. Uh, the key is to find a t quiet time free from distractions. Um, places may vary. Um, could be outside, uh, could be, um, you know, inside, obviously, outside, inside. That's kind of the two places that we have, isn't it? Underwater, I guess that's another one, but it's kind of inside, right? 
Um, the key is to find solitary place free from distractions. Like we said, developing the habit. If it, it helps, if the time and place are the same each day, that's just kind of the way that we're wired. It's how it works. Um, approach God in prayer. Thank him for your blessings. Confess your sins, make supplication for your needs, intercede on behalf of others. Spend time in meditation, contemplate on such things as the Lord and his character. I can tell you that in my personal devotions, everything changed for me when I got on the floor and first asked him to help me make this about his name and for his name's sake and for his glory. That's when everything really changed, really turned the corner in my life was first and foremost coming before him for his name's sake and for his glory and not for myself. That changed everything. Um, spending time in meditation, contemplating on other things uh, like uh, his revealed word, uh, things that are wholesome and praiseworthy. Music helps. Uh, natural, it's a, a natural response to the joy in the heart. And James 5 talks about that, making melody in your heart. Um, talk with God through prayer, praise, listen to him and contemplate his word. That's important to take that time to, to, just, to just be quiet and just listen. And uh, it's amazing how soothing that can be. Um, there, are other, there are some devotionals out there too that might help you, especially if you're young in the faith. Um, it can help anyone anywhere, but um, they usually inc- include scripture and some type of meditation or teaching, um, different kinds. They make them for men, women, children, teens, couples, leadership. I'm sure you guys know all about that. Um, my suggestion is don't solely rely on the devotional as your guide. It may be helpful at first, and it's always nice to glean from another's perspective, but our salvation does not ride on the coattails of others. It's imperative that we invest the time to learn to hear God ourselves. With patience, it becomes one of the most cherished activities that we can do. Um, So the conclusion on all this, living in the world filled with sin, there is much... um, that would uh, fill our lives with stress and anxiety and put us away from God and the things that are good. So making uh, room for private devotions in our lives, it will help greatly to, for, for us to walk closer to God, to receive strength of heart and peace of mind in doing his will. Uh, if David, a man after God's own heart, and Jesus, the Son of God himself, found it needful to spend time alone with God, how much more do we... So we'll close with Psalm 119. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. So let's pray. Lord, you are so good. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that um, even sometimes especially when we are first starting to try to make this a habit, to make this part of our daily lives, and to even make it first, the first thing that we do, Lord, that our flesh rises up, and we have that battle that goes on, and it happens to us at the beginning, and it happens to the veterans. So, Lord, we just submit our flesh to you, We pray, Lord God, that every time our flesh rises up, we would repeat your scripture, Lord God, that we beat our flesh into submission to you. 
that we would take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus, and that we would be able to enter into that special place. That special place that's just you and us. And we pray, Lord God, that in that place, Lord God, you would have your way with us. That you would teach us, that you would revive us, reutilize us, that you would revive us, that you would have complete and unhindered relationship with us and us with you. Thank you for hearing us in our prayers. Thank you for hearing us in our cries. Thank you for already knowing what's going on in our lives before we even speak it. Please help us to remember to have that quiet time with you where we don't speak and we just listen. And we thank you, Lord God, that you're speaking to us. So please help us to have ears that hear and eyes that see and hearts that understand. Help us to humbly come before you every day and all throughout the day, speaking to you, listening to you in the way that a friend would walk with a friend. And we thank you that we have that at the drop of a hat all the time because you live inside of us. Help us to take full advantage of these things that people long to see and long to have before you came and died on the cross and rose again, Jesus. Please help us, Lord God, to rise up with all the power and all the might, the fierceness of the true warriors that we are for you in faith, hope, and love. And help us to do it all your way. And help us to do it in a way when others do see it, that they would give you glory and they would want what we have. We love you and we cherish you, Lord. And we thank you so much that you are just the best friend anyone could possibly ever ask for. Help us to grow in you and to be filled with love, joy, and abundant life in every way, shape, and form. In the name of Jesus. Amen.